0: previously on the sports talk with Devin Wade podcast unrest as we've seen another situation where law enforcement shoots a black man and you gotta give Chris Paul credit first of all he hit on the Alabama State
1: shoes you know how the
0: Oilers was it was like the
1: wild west you know how many fights we had right before practice and right before the game in the locker
2: room tell you man it's not even a comparison the way that Houston people still accepting the Oilers it's about teaching and mentoring these young men to teach them to go the right way
0: breaking news as the Milwaukee Bucks have chosen to sit out of tonight's game versus the Orlando Magic to protest the shooting of Jacob Blake. If you think people are tired of COVID, imagine being a black man in America.
2: We believe in change and
3: we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region.
1: Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, and once All again, things. our mighty ship is back on course.
0: Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh! Mama, there goes that man. You Ladies and gentlemen, star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. We have a great episode for you this time out. I want to thank you guys. If you are coming back, we certainly appreciate you coming back to listen again. And if this is your first time, we certainly appreciate you coming, and we invite you to come back time and time again and become a part of this community that we call Sports Talk with Devin Wade. A lot of fun stuff, a lot of fun ways to be interactive, and we encourage you to do just that I'm going to give you a rundown of the episode but first and foremost I want to tell you about a couple of ways to get involved you can go to the wade's word website that's wade's word productions.com that way you can Subscribe to the email list, go back and listen to past episodes, or see whatever else I have going on in uh, in my life as it pertains to the world of media, whether it's the TFE or maybe it's what I'm doing on stage, some YouTube stuff, whatever. Wavesworth Productions is your one-stop shop for that. And, of course, you can subscribe to the email list. The other way is by calling the sports line, 832 832- 832 nine four one six six one four you can leave a message 24 hours a day and give us your take on what you think of episodes if you have questions if you have comments if you want to give us your two cents about any given topic 24 hours a day eight three two nine four one six six one four just leave a message and you may be on the very next episode uh, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Wade's Word. And, of course, you can go to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook, and there are poll questions there from time to time. People post things about their favorite teams or just information they come across. It's a real nice, fun community, and we want you to be a part of it. Now, this time out, because of the gravity of what's happening in the world of sports, the world was shaken up by the NBA players initially refusing to play that led to uh, sports teams and sports leagues around this country taking uh, a step away from the games to protest social and racial uh, injustice in America after the police shooting of Jacob Blake shot seven times in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And uh, you know, it's really just torn open the wounds of George Floyd all over again and I have some comments on that but we also reached out to Reverend D.Z. Cofield of Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church not only is he a radio personality and of course a a reverend of a a huge church here in the city of Houston but he's also an activist a scholar he really has his boots on the ground and is uh, really active in the community and we wanted to get his take and his thoughts on the entire situation with the athlete and where do you focus all of that energy that is resulting from this protest? Where do you go from here? He gives us his take on that and some insight and some historical perspective. Also, our special teams unit. I call the special teams unit a group of friends of the show that frequently appear. This time, Terrence Harris, a writer for the Houston Defender. He's written for the Houston Chronicle and for newspapers all over the country. Nola.com uh, or the Times-Picayune. Uh, did I say that right? i don't know but he's written for newspapers all over the country and he joins us frequently and we get his take in the second half of the show we have our resident dj dj anarchy in the building or on the mix and that'll come up at the halfway point and of course uh we will skip out on a lamont award but we'll have more of those coming in the coming episodes so with that i want to get into some headlines in headlines, the sports world as we know it changed fundamentally forever after the events of this week, led by the NBA and then uh, followed by leagues and players and players' unions from around this country. It has been a tremendous history-making week in the world of sports. It just it blows me away what happened, and I think that now – players and players unions uh, realize their power and we realize, I mean, I think it started with COVID and not having games and people wanting to force players back on the field, regardless. They wanted to, to have fans in the stands. They want to just don't re, we're going to disregard all of the health information, all of the stuff that we know that will put people's lives in danger. we're just going to, we need sports from the highest office in this land we need sports and then the players decide hey we're going to empower ourselves with how we come back when we come back if we come back and now you see since then the killing of george floyd the shooting of jacob blake brianna taylor we've seen these things and just the In the case of George Floyd, the video, so tremendously powerful and and hurtful. Now you see Jacob Blake shot seven times in the back. And we have a video of that. And it just doesn't make sense that black men and women in this country continue to disproportionately be killed, hurt, maimed, mistreated at the hands of law enforcement. And the NBA players saw that, realized that, realized that, you know, it's a sickening feeling. And there's no escapism when you're in that bubble. These players were away from their families. It was just basketball, and then they're sequestered in this area in Disneyland. Can't go anywhere. They can't get away. There's no way to get away from the feelings that you feel when you see something like this. And it moved the Milwaukee Bucks, George Hill and Sterling Brown, and eventually the rest of the Milwaukee Bucks to to the point that we're not going to play. We're not gonna play anymore until something changes. We we need to be out. We are the richest, most high-profile people in in society for the most part, and obviously there are many more richer people that don't have the same fame recognition. They don't have five million Twitter followers. We are the most powerful, famous folks around, especially in the black community, and we can affect change. And you know what they did? They affected change, and so now. What they're doing is so brilliant because in the NBA, let's start with the NBA and then we'll see what, we'll kind of go through some of the others. But in the NBA, what they're doing is brilliant. They said, we're not going to play, but we need, unless we come up with something, we need, we need to partner with the, the league owners, team owners, and we need to come up with ways that we can affect change and reform. And they're using the team owners. As proxies, you go do our bidding because, yeah, we're millionaires, but you guys are billionaires. We can't go play golf with the senator. We can't call the president up. Uh, You know why the owners can do that is because they contribute millions and millions of dollars to PACs and political campaigns and to other things that would carry them political favor. And so now the players are taking advantage of that. They're using that to say, OK, look, let's open up our NBA arenas and make them voting centers. Let's use some of this uh, commercial airtime to promote a social reform agenda. Let's work together on some of these things. And it's working incredibly well in this stage. And, and now, again, this has to grow and evolve. And let's see what happens. But I think the days of at least just shedding up and dribbling and not having social say-so or influence are, are over. The money's too big now. The money is, is, is too big to fail. So while the owners, they want to wag their fingers and have control over these uh, their teams and the players that play on those teams, the talent, <laughs> the, uh, the actual product is saying, no, 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 it's not going like that anymore. And the owners have no choice. No choice. Now, I know, I understand that down the road that the in collective bargaining, they'll try to control things like this. Well, you, you just can't stop playing. You can't boycott. You can't just walk away from the games without some you know, drastic financial ramifications. We know that that probably is coming. But I, I suspect that the players' unions will push back against that. And, again, they have the power now. Because while they may lose millions and and the, their careers certainly aren't as long as that of their owners who have accumulated billions of dollars, they can say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna cut you deep," and that's in the pocketbook. So now we see it, and that's some of the sort of the, the financial business stuff. But let's let's take let's rise above that and look at what we saw this week. We saw players of all creeds and colors come together and say, "Black lives matter." The NHL, the National Hockey League, with, uh, I don't know, I, I would say a handful. I, I don't know what the number is. I certainly know that it's it's a low, low number of black players. Came together, sat out for two nights. I mean, it's been unbelievable. Tennis, Naomi Osaka, Major League Baseball. What happened between the Marlins and the Mets was amazing. They it went onto the field. And they lined up along the baselines and for 42 seconds had a moment of silence and then walked off the field and refused to play that night. The Astros and the Oakland A's last night, what they did was tremendously powerful. They lined up along the baselines on Jackie Robinson Day, a day designed to honor the memory of Jackie Robinson. And on that day, every major league player, Where's the number 42, Jackie Robinson's number, which is retired in baseball? And what they did was they put a number 42 Astros jersey on one side of the batter's box. The Oakland A's put a number 42 jersey on the opposite side in the batter's box. And in the middle, they put a Black Lives Matter T-shirt at home plate. Now, this is in major league baseball. And then both teams saluted one another and then walked off the field refusing to play last night unbelievable stuff powerful stuff i have teared up so many times because of the beauty of the power and the pain and the suffering that is so real it's a it's been a powerful week doc rivers comments dominic smith pitcher for the a player for the um the new york mets just powerful powerful stuff chris weber even kenny smith walking off the tnt set i mean this is big and it's led by Young men who want to affect change. I mean, it's just been an incredible week. And I think that some of the things that, that, you know, you're going to have some pushback and you're going to have, uh, although and we had this discussion, Jerry Kushner wanting to call LeBron James. I say, don't take the call. 66 days to the election. You don't want to be there's nothing. No, whatever we want to do is long term. Maybe if you win the election. But until then, you're not gonna use, and, and I don't think that's a possibility unless there's interference from Russia. But what are you going to do other than use me as a prop between now and election day? I, I don't. I think LeBron. I'm. I'm sure that he's savvy enough. I don't think that that's something that he's trying to deal with because it's gonna take more than the, uh, than the the blusterings of a, a person that's really doesn't have the interests of black people in mind anyway this is going to take systemic change these nba guys know that and they're here for it they are here for the long run and that's tremendously important now the other question is what will the nfl players do we heard saquon barkley talk about hey we may sit out game one i mean i think if you think about Who made a deal with the devil? The NFL has really, the timing has been really, really perfect with all of this. Because the NFL season has not been affected by COVID to this point. I mean, obviously, all your off-season stuff. But you still had your biggest off-season event, which was the NFL draft. You didn't have OTAs. You didn't have uh, training camps the way you normally have them. You don't have preseason. So they're affected. But they're the least affected because no regular season games have been affected yet. And had this event happened and the NBA players had walked out during the NFL season. So where you have MLB, Major League Baseball, MLS, um, was hockey, all of those uh, organizations, all of those uh, entities walking out. And the NFL would have been playing and the NFL walk out. If we see the NFL players step up and step out there, now they have less leverage because they ha- they have no guaranteed contract. We saw the guy that stepped out there. What happened to him, Colin Kaepernick? He started all of this. He started all of this, and we saw what happened. He's still not in the league. He's gotten all kind of overtures of, oh, well, we didn't recognize, we were wrong. We, uh, you know, we apologize for the way we handled things. But still, no job. May never have a job, probably won't ever have a job in the NFL. I think that ship is sailed. So those players have less less leverage unless they unite. Now, again, it's a small the sports world is very small. You these guys know each other, they have the same agents, they have uh, you know, they do commercials and things together. They know one another. It will be interesting to see how this is handled with the NFL players moving forward. Now, we've seen everybody return to play now. Everybody's, okay, these three days, it was three days of, of unrest, and now the players have gone uh, moving forward with the playoffs and all of that. And we'll have to see what happens. And, and God forbid there's another incident. And, of course, we almost know certainly that there was, statistically there will be another incident. But we'll have to see what the NFL players do. Because if the NFL comes to screeching halt behind social issues, that will shake up this country in ways that we haven't seen. Because there's nothing more popular than NFL football in the United States. So, with that, I want to hear what you guys have to say before we get into our interview with Reverend DZ Cofield in a segment that we call We the People. Time for We the People. In the We the People segment, we hear from you guys, whether it's on the sports line at 832-941-6614 or on Facebook, we'll ask you survey questions. By the way, if you look on Facebook, I have a survey about the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast moving forward. But let's hear. Uh, let's check the phone lines and see what you guys had to say on these issues.
2: What's going on, Devin Wade? This your boy, Nate Jones. I hope all is well. Just called to chime in on the NBA. First off, I'm glad that he's back. I'm glad that the players decided to resume play and go back to work. I personally think that they have a better chance of getting the messaging out there in the manner that they want to get it out there if they remain visible on the platform that they have because the alternative is go home and it'd be like it's been the last three, four months with no platform that people can see you on, you know, tune in to see you all together. You know, when you go home, you split up. And, you know, I just think that it would have been better had they gone out there as a unified front and having met privately on the front end. that way, everybody on the same page, everybody know what's going on. Some people are not going to like it. But as if you get the team captains on board, say, look, this is what we're doing. It's almost a strong-arm move by the book, in a good way, for lack of a better term. But they, if they do it on the front end, say, look, we boycotting. Y'all can either we ask that you join us? If not, but this is what we're doing. And so I think everybody gonna de- Damn, they had to jump on board at that point because then it would have been an even bigger rift than it is allegedly you know behind closed doors so that's all I wanted to say man I just, I'm kind of with LeBron if he was allegedly angry about that now I'm sure he might have been mad that they didn't go through him you know based on what the reports say I don't know the truth I'm not going to put that all on him like that but I will say he's right I think from this perspective the buck should have I think reached out to everybody privately before they made their official decision well not before they but to let them know what their official decision was because I don't mind the book. Going ahead and stepping away. That's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. I'm with them. But I think they should have let everybody know that's what they were going to do on the front end and say, look, this is what we're doing. We asked that you join us. And I think that would have been a more effective move as opposed to them, you know, dealing with the backlash of alleged bickering going on behind closed doors. But hope I was well with you. I got the Clippers in six winning it all, baby.
0: Thanks, Nate, for calling. We certainly appreciate it. I think the Milwaukee Bucks decision to not play was not strategic as much as it was emotional. Both teams were at the playing site. They were on site, in the uniform, and... And dressed to play, Orlando was out warming up in Milwaukee. They got together and said, hey, man, we can't do this. This makes no sense. And I think that was the emotional decision made in the moment. As far as the bickering between in in the room deciding which way we're going to go, what decision we'll make, I don't really like to get into how the sausage is made. You just want them to come out unified. I don't need to necessarily know, and I know Stephen A. Smith, thought it was important enough to put you know sort of throw LeBron under the bus but I don't think it's important how, what bickering goes on behind closed doors I think what's important is when they come out of that room what is the decision that they all will stand behind let's see what's next
4: hello Devin Wade uh this is Dave Rosby Shepherd. glad to finally call in to sports talk with Devin Wade I just want to say that um uh, I'm glad to see that the NBA is returning back to play. It was my hope that they just shut the whole season down. But I understand that to really enforce change, it's going to take everyone to do it. All African-American athletes should shut down at the same time. You, you can't just have basketball, maybe some of baseball, and none of the NFL. It, it's going to have to take, everyone to get involved. And that's when I think you'll find significant change. Uh, I think a shutdown would have, you know, really sent the message out, you know, that people are tired. You know, I mean, it's just on a weekly thing where we're having to see ourselves slaughtered in the street. So, again, uh, you know, I'm glad to see the NBA back. I was really enjoying the games. Uh, it it kind of gave me a feeling of hope just seeing uh, just seeing the league go on during this pandemic. So, you know, that's my comment. You all have a great day. Devin, yeah, this is Joe Gordwyn. Hey, I just learned of the uh, boycott today. I was wondering why the Rockets game went on. But I think it would be better, beneficial to the NBA players if they just boycotted the season, just completely canceled the season because – They have a lot of power. People will listen. They have a strong influence. People are playing basketball just to let the public know how serious they are. Okay? So that's
2: my thoughts. So what's your thoughts on it?
0: Thanks, Dave and Joe, for taking time out to call. You know, I don't know what the right answer is to play or not to play. I know that if they don't play, they're talked about quite a bit. And if they do play, they have the benefit of being on this platform. So I think... Either way, had they gone home and just continued to be activists, maybe that would have been effective in just saying, hey, we don't. Or maybe the sports world would have moved on. I don't know. I'll get your take on that. I'll put a poll question on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page so you guys can uh, vote on that. With that, going to take a time out, come back on the other side, have Terrence Harris coming up. But first, we have Pastor DZ Cofield and uh, his conversation, his take on what the players should do moving forward. This is the Sports Talk with Devin.
3: using faith, knowledge and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. Co-bank Homes
4: through Keller Williams.
0: To go, you don't know what you got to just go on. Don't let all you seem to go, since you don't know what you got to just go on. Welcome back to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Podcast, our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy on the mix. And again, to submit your music, music at wayswordproductions.com. If you're a DJ, no matter uh, what the genre, if you play music, you want your music heard, we'll play a snippet at the halfway point and play an extended portion of a mix or a track at the end of the podcast. Well, right now, I want to get into our discussion with Reverend D.Z. Cofield of Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. He's not only a, a talk show host, a reverend, he's a an activist, and he's active in the community, and I thought it was important to get his opinion on uh, where the players should go moving forward and provide a little bit of context to what we're seeing from our athletes these days. Here's our conversation with Pastor DZ Cofield. Now, obviously, you've seen a, a tremendous shakeup in the world of sports where the NBA decided to not play the games for a couple of days. They since decided to resume those games. What are your thoughts on the NBA players walking out and saying, hey, we have to do something to sort of make change and we're not going to tolerate the status quo?
1: Yeah, well, Devin, first, let me tell you, uh, I I appreciate you having me on your show as a guest. I think for me, my initial reaction was just really being proud of the Young Brothers for making that stand. And for those who have criticized them saying, well, they should have done more. You know, the fact of the matter is, those players who were our heroes, and I'm talking about those who played in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, those people that we laud and venerate did less from the perspective of taking a public stance. I mean, you almost have this iconic picture of, you know, Bill Russell and Jim Brown and several brothers to basic silence over the years in terms of a public stance to now a real sense of consciousness among these young players and so i really applaud them for what they did i think they felt like they had to do something i think to criticize them regarding a failure to present a long-term plan is unfair uh, because that's not what they were attempting to do they literally were simply saying you know what we're frustrated We're emotionally wiped out, and we just can't go out there and play a game, and we're not going to go out there and play a game. And here's why we're not going to go out and play a game. And the fact that they've decided to come back and resume the season, you know, I certainly respect that. My understanding is that, you know, LeBron was of the mindset to just not go back at all. And you and I and Ralph and Kev talked earlier on your show just about whether or not they should have even come back and played. Because in a very real sense, what, what we're being shown by the ugly people in our society is it's okay for you to entertain us. Just don't have an opinion and don't try to educate me in any way. Just go out there and play ball because that's what I'm paying you to do. And I sense that LeBron was basically feeling like, no, you're not going to silence me And I'll show you. Now, you know, the Players Association voted to resume the games. I don't know how long that's going to go um, because I still think the season is, in terms of continuing and completing itself, is tenuous at best. But to see the other leagues step in as well, to see, for example, Major League Soccer step in. I mean, they have about, I think, 3% of their players are African-American. And for them to say, you know, MLS to say, hey, no, we, we're not going to play. We, we're going to take a knee. To see the WNBA step up and say, we're going to take – to see the NHL. I'm sorry, the 3% number was in the NHL. For them to take a, a knee and, and the National Hockey League and to say, you know what, we're not going to play. I mean, so this is – there's a consciousness that's coming. I'm interested to see when it's going to hit football, if it's going to hit football, And if players are going to demand that something be done, I know several teams canceled their practices. One of the most notable teams that didn't cancel their practice is the team that is quote unquote America's team, and that's the Cowboys. And so it's going to be interesting to see if this is going to become pervasive and result in a change in in policies and other things.
0: Yeah, and I think a number of things. Football is the other shoe that if it drops, it really will have ramifications that like we've never seen. Because there's no sport more popular than the NFL in American society and if that in fact happens and then they're so the NFL has such an ability to control their guys because those guys don't have guaranteed contracts. So we saw I mean again it all a lot of this started with them not re-signing Colin Kaepernick, with no team re-signing him after he became a free agent. That's when, re- and, and again, he served as an example of what happens to you when you step out there. now you hear lip service from owners and, and coaches and even from Roger Goodell himself, the commissioner. There's certain owners that haven't spoken up about it. But if this bleeds over into the NFL, this can be really, really massive in ways that we, we've never seen before. We'll have to see what takes place place with that but what what about this generation have you seen that says this was the generation that would step out and do this or is this just a natural progression as we've evolved as a subgroup in the american fabric
1: yeah i don't i don't think it's a, a natural progression but i do think it's a progression and it's a progression that has come about out of a sense of consciousness the recognition that While there were strides that were made in the 60s and the generation afterwards benefited from it, I think this generation now has accepted the fact that just because you can eat in the restaurant of your choice or live in most neighborhoods that you choose to live in or drive whatever you want to drive, that there's more to life than those things. And so I think they're simply saying we're going to be respected and we're not going to accept less than that. And it's challenging, I think, people across the board, because what's happened is, and I think this is a fundamental shift that's taken place. In the past, we have focused on the pain and problems in the Black community, but we have not focused on the practices and the policies that have created the pain and the problems in the Black community and the policies and practices that perpetuate the pain and the problems in the Black community. And so now we have a, a generation who are saying, no, let's let's stop looking at the symptom and let's deal with the root. And now there's this realization of these symptoms, you know, and I think, you know, we saw it in Kenosha where Jacob Blake is shot in the back seven times. You know, they're claiming that there was a knife in in his vehicle. They said that he told him there was a knife in the vehicle. All of us know that there were a number of ways that that could have been handled that didn't result in him being shot seven times in the back. But you contrast that with a 17-year-old who's running down the street with a long gun and the police basically wave at them, and they keep on going. And they're coming up with all kinds of excuses to justify this. And they're basically running out of justification. And so I, I just think this generation, man, I think they're determined that they are going to do it better than their parents did it. I just see a sense of they're going to be better parents. They're going to be better students. They're going to be better uh, stewards of the world. They have a greater consciousness. And I, I think they're doing a tremendous job.
0: I want to ask you, do you think, and, and I thought about this, because when you think about Ali stepping out there when he did, and Jim Brown, and even a little bit later, Kurt Flood, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, all those guys that stepped out, they had the backup of political and religious leaders. And it seems to me a little bit unfair that the burden for so much has fallen on the professional athlete. Do you agree with that? Because it seems like where the where the folks that will take the baton from them, they've done their part to call attention. Now, where are the folks that can take that energy and manifest it into legislative change and all of those things? Because it seems to me to ask. 20 you know 19 to 34 year old athletes guys who play basketball their whole life to take on such a burden in so many areas of our society it doesn't seem quite fair do you agree with that no
1: i i don't agree with it and here's why i say that one to whom much is given much is required and what the athlete today has that no athlete and no person has had prior to this time is the media power that these athletes have. To have two three, four million followers and to know that you can send out a message and those four million followers can send it out to another 10 million followers or however many, that's power. And so when I say to whom much is given, much has been required, they have benefited from this. We know that Ali was not the first conscientious objector to say, I'm not gonna go over there and kill people who have never called me a nigger. He's not the first person, but he's the one that got the media attention. We know that the civil rights movement didn't start with Dr. King, but he's the one that got the media attention. And so the question is now, when you get that kind of attention and you have that kind of power, what do you do with it? Do you simply benefit from it? Or do you say, you know what, I've been given this for a reason, and I'm going to use this to not just help myself, but I'm going to use this to help my people as well. So I, I just think it's it's par for the course in terms of the benefit that they receive from the platform that they have. And we have always basically looked and said, you know, what do you do with the platform? I do think there are other entities and other people in society who are working, but they don't have the notoriety. You know, and we know, for example, the civil rights movement didn't shift the consciousness of this country until they saw what people were living through for years in Alabama, in Georgia, until they saw people being hung and lynched, until they saw dogs, until they saw fire hoses, until they saw that, the consciousness of people had not been pricked and that's and that's what we're feeling i think now as a people and some are feeling it in this country when you see the eight minutes and 46 seconds of george floyd when you see the image i mean it's one thing hearing that this young man was shot seven times in the back it's one thing to hear that but man when you see it and it's like because there's a part of you that when you hear it you have to go oh man it can't be like that like it can't it the dude couldn't really walk around, had his gun out, had his finger on his trigger the whole time. It, it couldn't have happened. When you see it, and so that's, that's the power of, I think, the imagery. And I will say this. I think it's the responsibility of not just the athletes. I think it's the responsibility of anybody who has a microphone, who has a platform, who has a camera, who has a following to speak to this injustice Whether they're white or black, but I will say this, if those of us who have a passion for this and those of us who are people of color, if we don't speak out against it, then it's hard for us to hold anybody else accountable to say, you need to talk about it.
0: Yeah, and what I was really referring to is that I think, obviously, yeah, I do think it's the player's responsibility to take on more of a burden whether it be speaking out whether it be a more of a even a financial or time commitment to certain causes i just when i think about it though what i was alluding to was that okay you had ali but ali was able to defer to uh the nation of islam and for a brief while malcolm x you had martin luther king there. you had uh, all of the leaders uh, of SNCC, and all of those those people that you can while the, the players can get the attention, they defer to the folks who can really take the baton and go and get things done. Now you look at the athlete today. We talked about this. Uh, some people are saying, "Well, they don't have a plan," like you talked about. Uh, well, they don't have a plan. Well, again, it shouldn't be their responsibility to come up necessarily with a plan. So that that's where I was coming from with that one. What I know, and I and I agree. With, I agree with you, Devin. I don't I don't put the burden on them
1: to come up with a plan and I think what they have done in stepping out to be perfectly honest with you is that they basically said, look, we're doing all that we can with the platform that we have. Now do what you can with the platform that you have. Elected officials, do what you can. Don't go into public service, for example, a community activist and then come out of office 20 years later, a multimillionaire detached from your community, you know, that makes sure that there's a a sense of consciousness there. And that's what they're demonstrating for me, a a sense of consciousness. And arguably, you know, when we go back to those players, like, I don't know who's supporting these players. I don't know if they have and who is investing in them and speaking into their lives. You mentioned, for example, Ali having the Nation of Islam and King and others having the church. But let's be honest, you never heard about you heard about the moral cry for justice from people like Russell and Jim Brown and others. But you never heard about a foundation of spiritual foundation behind them. They found strength with each other. And so I, I just think that it, everybody has a responsibility, I think, to look in the mirror and say, what can I do? in order to facilitate the change that needs to happen in this world. And that's why, you know, even on my show, I always close my show by quoting the late Vernon John, who said, you see a good fight, get in it. You know, don't stand on the sidelines. And then I add, if you don't see a good fight, start a good fight. John Lewis called it good trouble. And so I just think that these brothers said, here's what we can do, and this is what we're going to do. And now I think it's incumbent upon all of us to say, okay, what can I do? And am I willing to do everything that I can possibly do to facilitate this change?
0: A couple more things before we let you get out of here. I want to, yes, through the magic of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, imagine that you have, uh, you're on a Zoom call with the NBA players in the bubble. What would you tell them about moving forward? Uh, what advice would you give them for moving forward and directing this energy where? Where would where would you ask them or direct them to focus their energy moving forward? Yeah, I think,
1: so to me, I think that the question is really about where their passion is. And I think it would be incumbent upon me to basically present to them the number of pressure points that are out there because there's so many areas that need to be addressed. I mean, you can talk about disparities in healthcare You talk about issues of education. You talk about police brutality and criminal injustice. I mean, you know, you you can talk about any industry in this country and you will find those disparities. And so for me, what I would want to encourage them to do, maybe even before presenting to them some different ideas, is present them a bibliography and say, hey, man, here are five books that I think would be excellent for you to read. And let's talk about how these things are manifested throughout our society. So, for example, we hear people talking about racial reconciliation, and now House Resolution 40 that was first initiated by John Conyers that has been picked up by Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. You know, this discussion around reparations is now, you know, getting a little traction. Well, what a lot of people don't know, including black people is, not only has this country paid reparations, for people who have been done wrong, but this country paid reparations coming out of slavery. The problem was they paid the slave owners reparations. They paid the slave owners who lost their property. They gave them reparations, but they never gave the slaves or the descendants of slaves reparations. So before you can talk about whether or not you can give somebody reparations, let's just own the fact that you need to because you've done it before, because the precedent has been set. And so um, i give you an example, man, I've had some conversations with the USDA. The USDA is where loans and, and money and grants come to the farm community. African-American farmers, man, are, are treated so bad in the USDA, you know, where you have, for example, white farmers applying for a loan or a grant, and they'll get a notice in 30 to 60 days black farmers apply for it and they get it in a year you know it's like so do we not see the discrepancy there do we not see the discrepancy when a white person walks into a bank and they apply for a loan and they get it without any questions and a black person walks in with a higher credit rating and more income and gets denied in that same bank like like they need to understand how simple this is And so, that educational process is big. I think we're still, and one of the reasons we cannot or have not addressed many of the systemic issues is because we're still reacting and responding to the pain and the problems, and we haven't begun to really focus on the practices and the policies. And so, because of that, we're still reacting. We're still in reactionary mode to somebody getting shot. And somebody said it the other day, after the shooting of this young man in Kenosha, Wisconsin, it said, "Man, can you just stop shooting us?" Right. But in, in in some ways, they can't because the policies and the perceptions and the perspectives have not changed, and so because they haven't changed, people's behavior is not changing. And so, how do we how do we address, get away from the fruit? and deal with the root, how do we get to beyond the symptoms and deal with the root causes of these issues? And I, th- I think as the norm is interrupted, and when I say the norm, the norm of just go play ball, I can watch entertainment, I, it, you, just entertain me, that's what I pay you for. I think that uh, the consciousness of these players, I think is exciting, man. I I, I really do. I'm, I'm applauding it um, because this is a consciousness – that I think you would hear Jim Brown being proud of, and and Kareem Abdul Jabbar, and all of those guys that were part of that meeting that are still alive, and and the Tommy Smiths and the you know John Carloses of the world, uh, that they would all be so proud of these guys, and now challenging them to say, okay, now what's next?
0: Now, I want to ask you finally, before we let you get out of here, the historic uh, nomination of Kamala Harris as the vice president and a a lot of references to Fannie Lou Hamer and Shirley Chisholm. One person I don't hear talked about enough is Barbara Jordan. For those who don't really understand the significance of her contributions, Talk a little bit, I mean, because again, you have a relationship there w- with uh, with her legacy. Talk a little bit about the importance of sort of recognizing, in this moment with all of the other wonderful women that are being recognized, why should we not forget Barbara Jordan?
1: Yeah, so as you stated, I, I've had a relationship with this family, her family for 26 years. I actually funeralized not just Barbara, but uh, her sister, one of her sisters, and her mother. Uh, Her other sister is still alive and is still a member of our church. I just think all of us are really not just the sum total of our experiences, but there's a tapestry that has been woven together that has covered us, that has created opportunities for us to be who we are. You know, you hear people, for example, in sports talk about how great Kobe is and You know, whether Kobe could have taken Mike when they were both in their prime, but there wouldn't have been a Kobe without a Mike. Talk about the dominance of a Shaquille O'Neal, but there would have never been a Shaq if there wasn't a Wilt Chamberlain. I mean, it just and so it's always, I think, disingenuous to celebrate anybody who reaches a milestone without celebrating the shoulders that they stand on. And Barbara, without question, her impact even on me in 1972 as a 10-year-old little boy watching the news and seeing her speak on behalf of the American people around Watergate and watching her on that broadcast and listening to my grandmother tell me about her and how I should strive to be like her— Having no idea that this little boy who grew up in the projects of New York City would one day be her pastor, i you know i I recognize the connectivity there, and so I think there's a there's a sense that all of these ladies who are standing all of these ladies who are in positions of opportunity, affluence, influence have to recognize that they stand on those shoulders and there there wouldn't have been a Kamala Harris if there wasn't a Barbara Jordan. There wouldn't have been a Barbara if there wasn't a Shirley Chisholm. I mean, you can just keep on going back, you know? And so I I just think it's, it's a tremendous testimony to this generation continuing that legacy, being in the position. I think it just speaks volumes of and reveals to the world the quality, character, the competency of people of color, of HBCUs, of the Divine Nine. I mean, it, it just it just opens up the door for a sense of appreciation and recognition that we have, I think, longed for from the majority community, but we really didn't need it in terms of validity of the people that have been produced in those institutions and have been part of those organizations.
0: Well, like I said, I mean, it's a, a a really incredible time we're living in. And I know that uh, you have your hands filled uh, with the responsibility of being a spiritual leader for so many people. Tough, tough times. But how can folks hear you on the radio or hear your sermons or hit you up on social media? How can folks reach out and connect with you? We have listeners literally all over the, the country and all over the world. Uh, how can they get to you?
1: Yeah, so. They can reach me at our church, goodhope.org. That's one word, G-O-O-D-H-O-P-E.org. They can also follow me on social media at DZ Cofield. Uh, no spaces, no periods, no underscore. Just D as in dog, Z as in zebra, C-O-F-I-E-L-D. And we'll be launching some some other pieces. Of course, Real World Real Talk is uh, our broadcast, and I'm putting out podcasts and messages And so if they just Google real world, real talk, they'll be able to follow me as well on those various social media platforms. Um, But I do agree with you, Devin. I think, man, we're we're in tremendous times. We're in very trying times. And, you know, the question that we have now is, what are we going to do uh, with the times and the opportunities that we have? Uh, Just like those players are stepping up. I had a meeting earlier today and, and I was meeting with faith leaders uh, from around the state who are planning a conference uh, that's coming up. And, you know, it, the conversation was really, really nice. And, you know, it's about, you know, social justice and and helping poor people, et cetera. And I just started challenging them to think through, it's, it's kind of disingenuous to talk about how you're going to help poor people when there are people who are sitting next to you who are creating and perpetuating the poverty that you're saying you're trying to help relieve. And how do we really call these things what they are, man? And, you know, for people who are people of faith, call it sin, call it wrong, call it immoral, and then speak to how do we make those changes. And so, yeah, you can find me anywhere, man. Just like I said, Google me, text me, come to our website. You know, one of the things that, that I'm, I'm really, intent on is making sure that we encourage people emotionally, but we also want to engage people intellectually and challenge them to think beyond the status quo, to think beyond the box that we typically find ourselves in to say, how can I be more? How can I do more? And how can I help other people be and do more?
0: Well, that's uh, that's awesome. And like I said, it's a challenge that we all face moving forward. I want to uh, thank you again for joining us. And, again, wanted your take on such an important issue. And uh, we look forward to possibly visiting again in in the near future.
1: Yes, sir. Appreciate it, Devin. Appreciate you, man, for for what you do, KTSU, and the community. Um, You you bring so much, both in terms of, you know, sports talk and just bringing a, a, a really great perspective. And then also with your love for music as well, um, you, you hit us in both the head and the heart, man. So I appreciate you, brother.
0: Hey, well, thank you so much. All right, man. I want to thank Pastor DZ Cofield for the conversation and the insight and the thoughtful words, really kind words. I really appreciate that. You know, sometimes in the moment I have a hard time accepting those uh those compliments and and again uh, i certainly appreciate them and i appreciate him and his input and maybe we'll have him back on the podcast but the conversations aren't over because uh now we go to one of the special teams unit members our guy terrence harris a writer for the houston defender great writer with great insight himself let's get into our conversation with terrence harris okay. I've got Terrence Harris is in the building. How are you this uh this morning? How you feeling? Man, I'm feeling.
3: I'm I'm doing all right, man. Hanging in there. You know, trying to figure out what's going on out here, just like just like us all right about now.
0: Yeah, well, we've had uh, an opportunity to have a, a brief discussion before we got started, but I uh, didn't anticipate that, that we would be having this kind of conversation this soon. But I wanted to get you on because, uh, obviously, man, we have seen reverberations around the world of sports, uh, coming from the world of sports throughout uh, our society over the last couple of days, with a number of uh, leagues and games being canceled, and all because of the shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The NBA decided they led the way. The Milwaukee Bucks led the way, saying that they would not play, boycott the game uh, in protest of the Jacob Blake shooting and the desire to want social change. What do you think about the things that have happened over the last, what, 36 hours or so?
3: I've really been impressed. I've been impressed. I've been proud, I mean you know because all along I mean you know like it's been it's been interesting to to kind of you know like at this point in your life understand that you know this is the young people's fight, and they're you know and they are they are really picking up the torch and they are they you know and and they're moving forward with it in in very bold strong ways, and I think you know this this is you know seen you know nowhere bigger or no no more blatant than our professional sports leagues. I mean, you know, whether it be the NFL or the NBA, and I mean, I've been very proud of these young guys and to see them take that bold position that, you know, I think no one really thought that they would ever do or or make. I mean, and, and to actually do it i mean i was i was really impressed
0: the other night yeah it's uh, it's really shocking because as uh, and i'm sure you at athlete at some t- at point or you know if, if you play organized sports you sort of understand that you learn to conform and we never we had those authority figures that i, I don't, we weren't there yet like we didn't think that we had the power to protest and do those things in prior generations other than the, the, with the exceptions of course of the ones we celebrate all the time, Muhammad Ali's of the world, Jim Brown's of the world, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's, Kurt Flood, all those guys. What do you think it is about today's athlete that empowers them to make a move like this?
3: Kind of, you know, to piggyback a little bit off of what you were saying, though, I mean, like, we came up in in an era where, you know, like, I mean, the hierarchy of the coach was supreme. I mean, what the coach said, dude, you did. I mean, even if it was ridiculous, I mean, if the coach told you to go knock down a wall, that's what you did. You, you, you didn't defy the coach, ever. So, And that's kind of how we grew up through this whole thing. But, I mean, I think at some point, I believe that, you know, that, that next generation, I don't think that that was good enough for them. I mean, I think that they wanted to know, okay, if you want me to knock down this wall, but why? And <laughs> you know, and, 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 and didn't have this, Them having the boldness to, to, you know, what we thought it was obviously being out of line, but really, I mean, it was being bold and said, hey, if you want me to do something that's ridiculous, explain it to me. Right. You know, and and I, and I think it it, it kind of grew. It's kind of grown from there, and I think that you know we've also you know we supplanted our in this era where we're just tired. We're sick and tired of still having to go through the same things that we were going through in the eighteen late eighteen hundreds and nineteen hundreds. And, and I mean, and we we're like, hell, we've had a black president now. This this should have been stopped. We, I mean, you know. We've shown y'all that we are on equal footing. We're, we're equal to y'all. And in every way, shape, and form, we, we, a black man has led this country and led it well. So we, we're not Where's our respect? Where is the, the, the understanding that we're people too? We, you know, and we deserve, we, we demand, you know, to be treated fairly. I mean, we're, we're no longer marching anymore. You know, we're tired because we, we're tired of that. And we know that don't mean much to y'all anymore. We're willing to fight for what belongs to us. And we will stop your business in a heartbeat if you don't do us right. And I mean, and I think so. Yeah, I think that's where it's coming from. And I think that's where these young people are at. And I, like I said, I applaud them.
0: What I think is brilliant about what they're doing is they're saying, look, we're millionaires and we have all of this money, but the owners of these leagues have relationships. They can actually go and make phone calls. They have more power to make some things happen with the monies that they donate and with the things they do with uh, with politics and political campaigns and all of those things that, hey— I can't get to the senator. The senator may not listen to me, but you have a relationship. You play golf with him. You you are with him more than I am. You have the uh, the ability to, to pick up the phone and make that call because you had that relationship. And I think that they want to use these owners as proxies to push forward a social agenda, which I think is is really really brilliant. I want to ask you about the play. A couple of the guys that really have led this. I want to talk about George Hill. For Milwaukee, he he seemed to be the first guy to be really adamant about not playing. And then I also want to ask you about LeBron and the Players Association, the Players Union rep, Chris Paul. I want to ask you about those three guys. And what do you think of those three individuals and how they've handled this moment?
3: Well, I, I, I thought that, you know, for the, George Hill, for, for a guy who – has really, really ne- said next to nothing throughout much of his career. I mean, he's been just kind of an unassuming kind of guy, but I thought he had the most poignant moment in, in this whole bubble experience because, you know, he he was the first person to say, we shouldn't really be here. Right Now, now Kyrie, said, Kyrie said, I'm not going. Kevin Durant said, I'm not going. But here was a guy who was there who said it. He said, but we should, I came, but we should not be here. This is not. This moment is too big for basketball. We should never come here. And I felt like, and he was the first person inside of that bubble to say that. And, and lo and behold, I mean, like I said, it, it was just it was that aha moment where you were like, okay. And I think that after that, you started to hear a few more rumblings. I mean, and and, and I felt like you know maybe like a LeBron James. LeBron's always kind of been out there on the on on the, on the front lines. In terms of social social justice and 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 speaking up, and so it was no surprise to to see him do and say the things that he said and and, and be unapologetic about it. You know, he's been you know he's been fantastic in my mind. I mean, you know, Chris Paul, you know, as the union president, I mean, he he you know he's been strong and he's a guy who's who's very articulate. I mean, and, and, and no one can can say anything about this, this guy's intelligence. I mean, he really is smart. But I think, you know, the way he's playing everything, I think he's playing as smart because he's a guy that has to kind of be that go in between. And I think him and Michael Jordan, we're hoping, I mean, it's, you know, that between the two of them, they can put together a plan that everybody will be able to live with. I mean, you know, going forward. And I, I believe that that's, um, that's what's happening right now. So I, I've been really, you know, it's been great to see all three of those uh, those young guys really come you know coming to their own in a lot of ways during this time
0: want to ask you about the other leagues that got involved the WNBA has been about it they have represented they have set out they were among the first to say we're going to join the the NBA in this boycott. What do you think about the WNBA and and the other leagues? Because we're even seeing Major League Baseball games postponed, which is unbelievable. MLS, NHL. I mean, it's unbelievable the number of leagues and teams and players that have gotten on board. But I want to start with the WNBA. What do you think of them?
3: I mean, you know, and they – they really have, I mean, they have a voice and they have not been afraid to use it. Even though, I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, they're treated like, I mean, that league is treated like a second class citizen, but those, those ladies in that league have not accepted that at all. I mean, they've said, Hey, we got a voice. We got a position and we're going to be heard. And I, and I feel like they've really been, you know, like for those, I mean, in a lot of ways, you got to go search for them. But, you know, for those who really know about them and follow them, you've seen them, I mean, just, be, I'll be out front and be on the right side of this whole thing the entire time. And it's been impressive. And I felt like the, the shirts the other day with the seven bullet, bullet holes in the back or, you know, gunshots yeah. yeah. in the back. I mean, it, that was, that was powerful, man. I mean, and it, but it just, it just hit home. I mean, if you're, if you're not inspired by what they're doing, something's going on with you. You better check your heartbeat.
0: Yeah, and I, I think one of the the more poin, poignant moments. There've been several. I mean, several that you can count on. Uh, count Dominic Smith, uh, his tearful post game interview the other night. Also Doc Rivers' comments. Uh, you saw Chris Weber and even Kenny Smith on the the TNT set. The NHL all came together. But you know the thing that stood out to me that was very powerful was the Mets last night during the forty two second. They went onto the field. And for 42 seconds, were there silently, and then they walked off and, and postponed the game. I thought that that was really moving. For a league that's not known, I mean, the African-American numbers are down in the, in the league from a height in the 70s and the 80s. where That's the height of black participation in Major League Baseball. Now the numbers are down, but still, that league came together. It's just an amazing thing to see. What do you think will happen moving forward in the coming days, weeks, months, and years?
3: I think what we're, you know, not what we're really waiting to see. I believe is we're waiting to see what the NFL is going to do. I mean, and how the NFL players are going to really move, and how the how the NFL owners are going to accept how they move. Because I think they've been the most difficult to really change. I mean, you know, they. What those owners have done to Colin Kaepernick, you know, is is, is still sticking. and people don't understand. I mean, like they, they did, they did some cursory stuff yesterday, calling practice and that sort of thing. Although, my mind you, the Texans did not. They went ahead. They felt like their scrimmage was important enough, so important that they went ahead and did had their scrimmage last night, which I don't necessarily agree with. I thought that was just not. It just didn't match all of the things that O'Brien. Has been spewing out his mouth, uh, uh, or or the, the
0: the McNair's,
3: yeah, or the McNair's, yeah. But but you know, but but O'Brien has been so you know, so out front and and so you know under just the whole uh, George Floyd ordeal. I mean, you know, but then you didn't think it was important enough last night to not hold that scrimmage. I mean, and maybe hold it tonight because it's, it's clearly they're not practicing today. So why not hold it tonight? But you know, he chose to go forward. And so, you know, you got to look at the the NFL still with a little bit of a side eye and wonder, what are they going to do? Because, see, those players don't have the same latitude as the NBA and, and Major League Baseball and those other leagues in the sense that these players, for the most part, did not function under guaranteed contracts. So the owners have far more control over what they say and do. And the only said they have sent the message to these guys through Colin Kaepernick and how they've done yeah, hey, if you step out of line, we will, we, will, we will eliminate you. We did it with a Super Bowl quarterback. If we did it with a Super Bowl quarterback, we won't hesitate to deal with that defensive tackle, and offensive lineman, that running back, that wide receiver. You know, nobody, no one person is bigger than our league. No movement is bigger than our league. And that's the message that the NFL has sent. And we got to see, you know,
0: how this is going to play out. So the NBA, on move, they've uh, apparently voted to move forward with the playoffs. Do you think that that was the right decision? Is that is that the right thing to do?
3: Yeah, I, I think it was. I mean, I think that, you know, the their whole goal was to bring attention to to the situation, and I, I don't think anyone can deny that that has happened. I mean, they, they, they did something that, that no one thought that they would do and no one thought that they really could do, and that is they paused – the NBA's business for two days,
0: and not only you know, not, and, only, and, not only in the NBA, but for a number of other sports, a lot of sports around the country came to a halt because of what those NBA players did. Yeah,
3: yeah. So I mean, so I, I felt like because of that, they 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 made their point. I mean, I, I think that they did. And think about this: this would have been even more devastating, perhaps, and, and more more confusing and troubling for the NBA had this been a, a regular playoff game. In a playoff environment where you know you got people in the arena and everything else, and now what do you do? Because the players aren't coming out, you know. But this time, of course, it didn't have that effect. So you know, you you don't have that at the, at this point. But still, I think the message has been been clear, and I feel like them doing doing it, you know, on this stage and at this time. It sent a, a, a great message to the to the country, and it put light on what happened up in in, in Wisconsin on Sunday night. So I believe that they, they they did what they needed to do, and if they want to go, you resume playing, that's fine. Now the only thing that I say is this is to me, I have an issue with trying to call this a boycott. I still, I, I agree that it's more of a pause because guess what? They're still going to they're, they're still going to play those games. So those you know and and it really has just extended the time in that bubble for some team yeah, Orlando. Always, exactly.
0: yeah orlando Portland those teams on the brink of elimination, yeah, you're right, yeah but yeah, yeah.
3: And, and and for everybody I mean think about it, even if this push, this pushes their entire calendar back. So that means that you'll come out, the, the, two, the two teams that ultimately play for the championship will, you know, will, will be in the, in the bubble at least two or three days longer than, you know, than they would have had, had this not happened. So everything's still, the NBA's still gonna get a chance to do its business.
0: Right. But I want to, like I said, the impact of what this means for athletes moving forward, understanding their power. I said with COVID and uh, with them not being able to play, with certain players and certain leagues not being able to play and certain other players refusing to play, I thought that this is an opportunity for play, college players to realize their value and their worth and their power. Now, on the pro level, it's unbelievable the amount of power these guys have. And it's hard to imagine the. Power structure ever being the same after something like this, which was a pause and play, not because of a labor dispute, but because these guys want to make a statement to make a society accountable for mis- the mistreatment of African Americans in this country.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and I agree. I think that, and that's all great. I mean, they they definitely did that. I mean, and, and that was, I think that that was the purpose, and and so. You say that that mission accomplished. Well, job well done. And I also believe that you know now the NBA owners understand that. Hey, you know these players. If, if you guys don't step up, and, and and like you said earlier, you know these these guys, these owners, they have a they have a, a direct line to the governor. They have a direct line to senators and congressmen. If they don't use their influence in the right way that these players may walk again. Now, I do think, but also get ready for this one too, though, guys. The NBA owners are not, they're going to be smart with this. Wait till the next collective bargaining agreement. They're going to put something in place in hopes of, you know, that they hope will prevent a demonstration like this from ever happening again. Don't I, said try that. To anyway.
0: I said that. I thought yeah. that. they're not going to see power like that without an opportunity to see. Right now, it's too hot. They can't make those moves because, again, they can't take the PR hit and they can't frankly fracture the relationship with the players at this point because the players do have power but look for the day when they will try to regain some of the power and they'll do it through like you said collective bargaining because you can't even isolate guys anymore like the NFL did with Colin Kaepernick you know you can't do that in the NBA and that's another reason why they have the ability to do so the message is if they stay together they can do anything they want to do but they have to stay unified as a labor force
3: yeah and and, and they will I mean but you yeah you know, people and 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 if they don't necessarily stay together at least you know be be willing to follow the majority rule kind of thing i mean because i don't think that they all agreed on what was next You know, after after walking out or or pressing pause on on these these past two games, I think that that it sounded like there was some division on how do we proceed. Some guys wanted to continue playing, and apparently, at least two teams, you know, had no no interest in continuing the playoffs and 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 the bubble. They wanted to go home, and you know. But I think that you know the good thing is is I think that they all sat down and said, you know, we're we're going to do this in a in a. The democratic kind of way and we're going to you know majority is going to rule and, and i think majority rule and I, and I think for a lot of players that was the right decision to make
0: well and finally before we let you get out of here i mean you're a respected writer you're a thoughtful person you're a great writer how are, are you going to approach this as a writer and what are you going to write about in houston defender as uh, you move forward and sort of tackle such a huge huge number of events in the world of sports
3: well, let me first say, say I appreciate kind words, Devin. I mean, I do. I do appreciate it. But I think, you know, you have to try to capture this moment. I mean, and that's what you're doing as a writer, because, you know, what we're doing is we're it's like history in a hurry. And you know? we're trying to, to capture it and, and then portray it in a way that's accurate and fair and powerful as, as, as the event itself was. And so that's what, you know, what I'll be trying to do this week. I mean, we'll we'll have, you know, a, a, a very big section that will that will deal with this week's unrest and how things played out and and what this means going forward so we'll deal with it from a, a variety of aspects I mean looking at the event itself how we got here and what's next and uh and that's that's what you'll see from you know in the defender this upcoming week,
0: and how can folks reach out to you on social media or catch uh, some of your work online? Uh, at the Defender website, any of that information?
3: Yeah, it would, it would, you know, definitely go to the dot com. Uh, you know, to, to check out my work there. On social media at Terrence Harris uh, on Twitter is definitely the best way to get to get at me. So, um, either way, you know, it, it, it works for me.
0: Hey, man, we certainly appreciate it. And, again, I always want to get your take on things uh, of an important nature like this. Uh, so we can get uh, – I mean, of course, you have historical perspective. You've been in the game for a long time. You uh, have a, a sort of a, a omnipotent look at this thing when you think about history and and sort of projecting what will happen moving forward. So we certainly appreciate you
3: hey man i appreciate you too man it's, it's been real
0: that was our conversation with terrence harris I want to thank him so much i always appreciate his perspective and his take can't wait to see what he's writing in the houston defender well with that hey we uh because of the gravity of the episode we're going to skip out on the lamont award this time out and instead before i let go,
2: before I let go.
0: Before I let go, hey, want to thank you guys for all the support. want to thank Reverend D.Z. Cofield of Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church and, of course, want to thank Terrence Harris. want to thank you guys. want to thank Cobank Homes, our sponsor, our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. want to continue to encourage you guys to call the sports line at 832-941-6614. Hit me up on Twitter at Wade's word, and, of course, go to the WageWordProductions.com website. Subscribe to the email list and you can get emails on what we're doing and finally you can go to the sports talk with Devin wade page and group on facebook and be interactive with all that we are doing there Uh, again want to thank you so so much and as always want to remind you guys of these four
2: things number one i don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening two i ain't got no money three i'm not harboring any fugitives from justice and four bye (laughs) This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade
0: podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you
4: for listening.